Well, hello and welcome to Bible Prophecy for today. This channel is where I discuss controversial topics and news headlines that you're not going to hear about in the mainstream media. And I do it all from a West Texans biblical point of view. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Bible Prophecy for today. My name is Heather and let's jump into some stuff today. So are believers ready for persecution and surprise 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 the wuhan lab already has pcr tests for monkey pox gee i wonder how wonder how that happened surely they don't have it planned do you think no no really yeah i just did that program yesterday so yeah let's see what we got going today then so harbingersdaily.com harbingersdaily.com this is on the berean watch and this is going to be by andrew brunson and so he says him and his wife they used to live in turkey uh, for 25 years until they were arrested he was held for two years and they let his wife go in six months but they were supposed to be deported right but because they were christians so they got threatened and then uh yeah so three uh, he was sentenced to three sentences in solitary confinement or they threatened to give him that he goes he thought to himself as a relatively tough missionary he goes they had faced threats before he said he'd even been shot at once but he was not prepared for what he experienced in prison he said it was much more difficult than he had imagined it would be and he said he almost didn't make it through persecution almost knocked me out he said many christians do not think this can happen in the united states but it can followers of jesus throughout history and in countries around the world have experienced persecution in fact our experience of very little persecution up to now is the exception he goes he says uh he thinks that everyone uh, can see that our society has changed significantly in the last generation or two the commanding height of our culture the corporate world big tech arts media um, entertainment professional sports schools and universities government and bureaucracy all mostly populated by people who do not honor God. In fact, many openly defy him. These are the people who control the centers of power and influence. They have the platforms to amplify their voices and shape public opinion. And they're increasingly hostile to those who identify clearly with Jesus and his teachings. So, and he says, he says, he's not talking about politics. He goes, I'm not thinking of this as an issue of right versus left, but rather followers of Jesus on the one hand and on the other, those who are hostile to followers of Jesus. So he says, what will drive persecution? So that's a pretty good question, I think. So what will drive persecution? Because he thinks two wedges issues uh, will drive persecution first. The exclusivity of Jesus in salvation, that Jesus is the only way to God. Second, that Jesus demands obedience from his followers in a number of areas that are hotly contested in our culture, such as sexual morality, gender identity, marriage, family, life, and biblical justice. Those who are faithful to Jesus in upholding gospel exclusivity in obedience to Christ are going to be labeled as evil people, and those who persecute us will justify themselves by saying that we are a people of hate, that we carry a message of hate he continues because this of course is completely backward it's a satanic lie but think of jesus he was the most loving and kind man in history and yet people called him evil they said he was demonic and an angry mob demanded he be killed in a gruesome way and jesus said that just as the world hated him it will also hate his followers 
And that's true. Christians are the most persecuted religious group in the world. Why? It's because when we walk closely with Jesus, we carry his scent and people react to him in us. I think this is some of what will happen. Many in the name of being in, in, inclusive intolerant will say that the followers of Jesus are a threat to safety. They'll say, you can't work here. Your views make people feel unsafe. You can't use social media. You can't use our financial products. We won't process your payments. We're canceling your bank account. You can't use these credit cards. And as for your church, we're closing down your website and your podcast. And we're stripping you of your tax exempt status because you have a message of hate. These are some of the possible pressure points. I don't know how far it will go, but even if it's just being despised and hated and slandered, that can be difficult enough. For now, we still have robust legal protection for freedom of religion, but as the commanding heights of our culture turn against our Judean uh, judeo-christian heritage these protections can erode very quickly and when we reach a tipping point it will accelerate rapidly across a wide front uh, the majority of believers are not ready for the persecution or pressures of persecution and this is very dangerous he says he can tell you this from personal experience he said he came close to failing especially during his first year in prison he says at times he was suicidal he said he was overcome with fear and despair and he went to relational crisis. He goes, I went into relational crisis with God. He says he believed one of the purpose God had in his imprisonment was that he would learn how to stand under pressure, even when he was weak and overwhelmed. And this was in part so that he could encourage others to stand when they're under pressure. He said the talking plan, and he said especially, uh, you know, pastors and leaders and grandparents and parents and leaders, influencers, that kind of thing, really need to be talking about this right now. If we don't talk about it, it's going to be hard to plan for it. He said, he goes, uh, he said, this is especially true because persecution is different from other trials. There are many pressures that we cannot easily escape, an illness, grief from a loss, a broken relationship. And he says, but persecution is different because pressures will usually stop if you just compromise this is why we must prepare ourselves ahead of time so that when pressures come and we are afraid we do not run but stand firm here are three practical things to do he says read in a new way read in a new way first read the new testament with a different eye it's full of exhortations to prepare and also examples of people living victoriously under persecution he goes in prison he says he especially read second timothy which paul wrote in a dungeon before he was martyred the letter of first peter addresses christians who are suffering for doing good read the gospels with a focus on what jesus says about persecution how he himself deals with persecution and how he prepares his disciples discuss with your loved ones and decide now that as for me and my house we will serve the lord joshua 24 15 even if it becomes costly pray for strength second begin to pray now that you and your loved ones will have enough faith and strength to stand this is what jesus urged his disciples to do he said watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak it's matthew 26 41 and peter says to believers facing persecutions be sober-minded be watchful for your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That is 1 Peter 5, 8. So learn from persecuted believers. Third, he says we should learn from persecuted Christians, those who have gone before and endured faithfully. 
We have been conditioned not to ex expect persecution in this country, so we need to change our mindset. This is not a time for ministry as usual in the church. Many churches are looking at how to expand, but very few are getting ready for the wave that is about to hit. Some of my friends are expecting a revival, and I hope it comes, he says. But before we see revival, I think we're going to go through a refining fire. So we need to be uh, we need to prioritize preparing ourselves right now. I've been saying this for a while. I've been saying that preachers in the pulpit are all talking about living your best life now. And we need a church plant. We need to open this. We need a bigger congregation. And we need a coffee shop over here. Yeah, we need to throw in this and a little latte and all this garbage, right? Mm. But they're not teaching their flock. They're not shepherding their flock of the persecution that's going to come, especially in the United States. People all over the world experience persecution. China, oh my goodness, North Korea, I mean, all over the world, there's persecution against Christians, but not so much in the Western world. What's the worst that happens to us to make fun of us, right? Well, there's coming a day where this is all going to change, and you can see it happening slowly but surely, especially with the administration that we have. They're already coming after Christians because of our pro-life stance. Uh, they're already coming after Christians um, because of our, our, our stance, what the Bible says about a marriage between a man and a woman. And so there's only two genders. There's a female and the male. God created the male and female. He created them, he said. And so they come after us for that. But what they don't realize is everything going on in the world is this giant, huge delusion and deception that Jesus warned us about. And also Jesus told us in Romans 1 that he would turn them over to a reprobate mind as to do those things that were unseemly and sightly, right? And then, of course, you technically you just lose your mind. So if anybody thinks there's 60 some odd genders, you have lost your mind. Anybody, if you think that you identify as a female, but you're a six foot five burly man, uh, that you can go into the ladies' bathroom at Target where, you know, someone's six-year-old daughter is using the bath. If you think that's okay, you have lost your mind. You are reprobate mind. And that's all I got to say on that because uh, it upsets me so much. But we're going to move along, folks. So the hard truth is, he says, is that God allows his children to suffer persecution. And it can be more difficult than we think. I had an idealistic view of how I would handle intense persecution like imprisonment. And looking back, I think I would have helped. it would have helped me to know how difficult it can be so that I could adjust my mindset expectations. He says, he goes, he hears some people saying confidently now, persecution will be good for us. It will build the church. Bring it on. Uh, we need to be careful not to be overconfident. He says, um, I say to you again, it can be more difficult than we think. And God's faithfulness, his help, his grace may look different than what we would expect. He goes, let me give you a couple of examples. Because Paul declared confidently to Timothy, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his kingdom, his heavenly kingdom. That's 2 Timothy 4.18. But when he wrote this, he was suffering in a miserable Roman dungeon. He was expecting to be executed to so safety and being rescued may look different than we imagined. And Jesus tells his disciples that they're going to face persecution and be hated by everybody. Some of them will be imprisoned. Some of them will be put to death. And then after giving them this long list of terrible things that can happen to them, he says, but not a hair of your head will perish. Luke 21, 18. So escaping harm may not look the way we expect. So the supremacy of Jesus, because this can be a discouraging subject, we need to keep before us the truth of the supremacy of Jesus, the image of Jesus as the lion. He will not be defeated. C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia tells the story of a horse and his boy 
who want to go to Narnia. But to get there, they have to undertake a perilous journey that's filled with hardships and dangers. One of the key points in the book is when the boy and the horse have to go through a very dangerous mountain area at night. It's dark. They can't see anything, and there are sheer cliffs. But the great lion, Aslan, takes them through to the other side. A year before I was arrested, someone had referred to the story when praying over us and said that I had a perilous journey ahead of me, but what I would press but that I would press through, that I would keep going because God would be with me and he and we wrote that down. He goes, right before we were arrested, Noreen happened to grab this prayer among uh, among some other random pages as she left our home in a flurry on her way to a prayer retreat in God's timing. This is what she was praying through right before my perilous journey began. I thought of it often in prison. There were hardships. There were real dangers. And at times I came close to defeat. What God wanted to highlight for me was the lion, the lion of Judah, Jesus Christ. He was there. It would take me through to the other side. Remember folks, this is not our home. Uh, we are only passing through. Remember that our home is in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's gone to prepare a place for us. He says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive it to myself that where I am there, you may be also. And you know the way. Because like he said in the beginning, in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. Right? And so we live because we know where we're going to go after we die. We know that we're. this is like a vapor this 70 years is like a nothing compared to eternity, right? And so we run along here, but uh, we just need, I needed to uh, let people know that, you know, we need to be prepared for persecution, especially in the United States. I mean, we are, we're weak. When you look at the Middle East and you look all around the world, the mighty faith of these Christians all over the world, and then you look at the United States and how materialistic we are. Mm-hmm. My little dog's got to get in my lap. <laughs> Come here, Munchkin. Yeah, it's storming outside, and he's my little fearless chihuahua. He is fearless, and he is vicious, and he is... But when it's raining outside, he needs his dog mom. So, <laughs> so anyway, we need to be prepared. So, we need to start preparing now for persecution. And uh, I think that's very important. I think pastors need to be preaching on persecution and right here on my desk i have the voice of the martyrs bearing his cross in india and so choosing to love the murderers uh the hindu hitmen and where are they now and so that is the voice of the martyrs that is let me see which one this is should give me the date on here if you guys don't get the voice of the martyrs magazine man i tell you you need to do this the vom uh, go check that out. Um, it's not telling me, or I'm just not being able to see it here. I guess I'd have to open it. But anyway, um, yeah, so check out The Voice of the Martyrs. They have a podcast, too. Bunch of good stuff there. Um, what else do we have going on? So, another big one. So, the Wuhan lab was experimenting with monkeypox last year. Published research report in International Journal in February. Is that surprising to anybody? I don't know about you, but it totally upsets me it actually infuriates me that they can manipulate and do all this stuff and just you know do whatever the hecky darn that they want to do right but just remember vengeance is mine saith the lord i will repay they may look like they're getting away with it now but they're not going to get away with it forever so just remember that hell is for eternal eternity so swear to you okay buddy Okay, so stunning. Wuhan lab was experimenting with the monkeypox last year. Published research report in the International Journal 
in February. So this was published May the uh, 22nd of this year. And it says Virological Seneca or Seneca uh, is an international journal uh, which aimed at presenting the cutting edge research on viruses all over the world. The journal publishes peer reviewed original research articles, reviews, and letters to the editor to encompass the latest developments of all branches of virology. In February of 2022, um, this magazine published a, or not this magazine, but this journal published a recent gain-of-function research project performed by the scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in August of 2021, while the COVID-19 pandemic was still raging around the world. Now, I want you to listen to the f- couple words there. What are they, what, what stood out to you guys? Gain-of-function is what stood out to me. Yes. So the study was published in 2022. So the article is the efficient assembly of a large fragment of monkeypox virus genome as a qPCR template using dual selection based transformation associated recombination. So, yeah, guys. I'm just telling you, it's all planned. The Wuhan Institute of Virology assembled the monkeypox virus genome, allowing the virus to be identified through PCR tests using a method researchers flagged for potentially creating a contagious pathogen the National Pulse can reveal. See this, folks? They're creating a contagious pathogen. But hey, folks, we're just along for the ride. And you know what? We ought to be very thankful that God does punish evil and they will not get away with it. They're not going to get away with it. God will act. He will enact vengeance. So don't worry about that. God will uh, take care of these people, whether here or later. It's a coming. Their day is coming because one day they're going to have to face God Almighty. And uh, it's not going to be looking very good for them so what else what else do we got going on so let's check out some more headlines and uh maybe some good ones so discerning the midnight hour that's terry james because we can know for certain when the midnight hour of god's prophetic timeline is approaching the lord jesus gave his family which is born again believers you and me if you're born again if you believe in christ uh, explicit instruction about how and when to discern the midnight hour So, let's open up that article right there, folks, and see what we've got going on. All right. So, discerning the midnight hour. So, our weekly column on the raptureready.com website is called Nearing Midnight because we discern that planet Earth has almost reached the midnight hour of the church age or age of grace. Whereas the geopolitical humanist powers that be framed their view of human history's clothing, closing minutes within their doomsday clock, we observe these fleeting times before Christ's call to the church by placing the template of Bible prophecy over the converging of prophetic stage setting, right? So the political scientists and other scientists can only guess at what will happen to the human race. Most all believe that humankind will meet its end from nuclear holocaust or by climate um, change disasters and uh, one one thing this is Terry James you can check out his website at terryjamesprophecyline.com so 
We who give total credence to what God's word has to say about the consummation of the age can know for certain through a detailed preview by God himself how the end of all things will unfold. We don't know precisely when the end will come. We can know, however, the general time when it will begin to manifest. We can know for certain when the midnight hour of God's prophetic timeline is approaching. The Lord Jesus gave his family, which is us, born-again believers, explicit instruction about how and when to discern the nearing midnight hour. And he says in Luke 21, 28, and when you see all of these things begin to come to pass and look up, and lift up your head for your redemption draws near. Mm. He says, note that Jesus didn't say watch for when these things come to pass. He said when these things begin to come to pass. We are to look up and lift up our heads for our redemption is drawing near. At that time, he will be on his way to rescue his bride, the church, from the carnage that is about to take place on earth. The blackness of the midnight hour will descend following that rescue of the church. At seven years into the tribulation, complete evil will have engulfed the planet with satanic darkness. The first bright gleaming that pierces that most horrendous time of all human history will then burst through the billowing storm clouds of Armageddon. Brilliant light will part the heavens and Christ in his army will appear. So discerning the times in which we find ourselves is all important to the believer. If it was not possible to discern the times, Jesus wouldn't have told us what I say unto one, I say unto all, watch. That comes from Mark 13, 37. He promises in Revelation 3, 10 that we are not appointed to God's wrath and we will be kept out of the very hour of wrath. So what are the things the Lord forewarned would take place? The things beginning to come to pass that we, that we see happening at this very moment. Exactly what are the things for which we are to look? Remember the whole Bible is the word of God. And Jesus is that word. That's John 1.1. 1, 1. So every prophecy, whether it's already accomplished or yet to come, is attributable to him. God the Holy Spirit inspired the Old and New Testament prophets to give these prophecies. So we don't have to consider just what the Lord Jesus himself said about the way of prophecy to discern the times in which we live. We can and must consider every prophecy yet to be fulfilled, presented in the Bible by all Bible prophets as part of our discernment process. I'm in the camp that believes we are seeing the stage being set for fulfillment of prophecy, yet future rather than fulfillment itself. The one caveat concerns the nation Israel. My view is that Israel, again being a nation after millennia of dispersion into all the world, is fulfilled prophecy. That said, however, everything we see happening around us at this very hour has prophetic significance. Some things are profoundly significant. For example, the coalition of nations forming uh, to Israel's north. Russia, land of Magog, Iran, much of ancient Persia, and Turkey, the land of Togomar, coming together in a coalescing uh, alliance is a spectacular example of God's foreknowledge of things to come. These, of course, are exactly the central actors prophetically scheduled to come against God's chosen nation, Israel, according to Ezekiel 38 and 39. I've done, I've done quite a few programs on that. Um, it must be agreed that much of the stage setting itself is likened to fulfilled prophecy in some way. For example, the Apostle Paul's perilous times words presented in 2 Timothy 3 offer a vivid snapshot of these spiritually darkening days. While prophecy yet future, for the most part, seems reserved for the tribulation, Daniel's 70th week. Developments in our nation and world today are becoming 
ever more like these those given in God's word for the last seven years immediately preceding Christ's second advent. Uh, Luciferic darkening has so infected this generation in America and throughout the world that we who watch in order to discern the times are brought face to face with end times insanity born of greatly increased rebellion against God. Other than the fact that Israel itself is what most discerners view as the most dramatic sign of where this generation stands on God's prophetic timeline, there runs a deadly septicemia throughout humankind that marks this as a generation at the very end of his prophetic rope, the infection proves we are in the terminal stage of rebellion. Paul explains very clearly that infection satanically injected into uh, humanity's collective bloodstream. And he talks about that in Romans 1, 18-32. And that's what I always tell people, you know, we are living the Romans 1 uh, right now. is Romans 1. God has turned us over to a reprobate mind. And so I'll go ahead and read that to you guys. So for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things." Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness, to the lusts of their own heart, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men and uh, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was met, or which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, uh, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, uh, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So God condemns those who are caught in this evil, destructive quagmire of depravity. But Jesus gives us the way out of that soul-destroying quicksand. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. That is John 5, 24. So you guys can read Romans 1, 18 through 32. And James, uh, Terry James uses the, uh, looks like the King James version there. So 
Um, you know, there is a thing that's called the doomsday clock and it's inching us ever so closely, uh, to midnight, to the midnight hour. And, um, that's, that's secular. They even see it coming. Of course, we as Christians know that it's coming. And if we can see, uh, the signs of the seven year tribulation ahead, we know that the rapture is coming. Just like if you're in the grocery store and you hear, uh, you hear Christmas music and Christmas decorations are going up and, uh, you know, it's like October. Well, <laughs> you still know that um, Thanksgiving hasn't happened yet. So Thanksgiving has to happen before Christmas. But we see all the signs of Christmas being put up, right? So we know that Thanksgiving must happen before that. So lots of stuff going on, folks. Mm. But uh, that Wuhan lab doesn't surprise me one bit. And uh, last night I talked about, and uh, you know, kind of talked about, talked to you guys through the graph from uh, November of 21. They have this all planned, and you know, who knows what they've done to this monkey virus in a lab, um, you know, because the coronavirus was just a cold, just a regular cold, until they manipulated it with gain of function from an animal to a human, right? And then boom, uh, yeah. So then we have that, but it's all fear tactics, and just remember that, folks. It's all about trying to, to get you terrified and afraid and you're going to be glued to your TV and all the news networks are going to be saying, they're already saying the same thing about the monkey pox. And so the whole rat race is going to start all over again. But who do you put your faith in? Do you put your faith in man or do you put your faith in God? My faith is in God. My faith is in Jesus. My trust is in Jesus. I know where I'm going uh, when this life is over. Um you know, you can kill the body, but you can't kill the soul or the spirit. So, anyway, with that, guys, I'm going to get off of here. I just wanted to give you guys some headlines really quick. I saw that the Wuhan lab come across my phone. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. But, hey, remember, it's all about the World Economic Forum and the world food supply. The world, it's all going, uh, like a friend of mine just called me tonight and said, everything's going to the one world government. And I was like, yep. Just like the Bible said, it's all where it's heading right now. So anyway, with that, guys, like I always say, get in the Word of God. Let the Word of God get into you. And what was that? That's right. Maranatha, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come quickly. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Man, my, my prayer for everybody is that the Lord would bless you and keep you and that he would protect you and he would give you boldness and give you a hunger and a thirst for his word. And so that we may dig into his word. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I pray that uh, this has been some some type of encouragement to you and some informative as well. And it's going to throw back out there again. Uh, my latest book was published. Uh, it's up. It's on Amazon. It's um, When the Rapture Hits the Fan. When the Rapture Hits the Fan. So instead of the when the blank, you know, when the beep. When the stuff hits the fan, this is when the rapture hits the fan. So I thought, well, my other my, my previous book on that is um, After the Rapture, What Comes Next? And that is literally a step-by-step, step-by-step uh, manual if you are left behind, uh, which you don't want to be. So if you're listening to me right now, please, please don't, don't get left behind. Please, 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 please don't get left behind. All you have to do, the Bible says, is call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. There's no special, none of that special stuff that you need to do. Okay? Nothing special. You nobody, you don't need to go to a church and you don't need whatever. You, 
nothing. You can be listening to the sound of my voice right now, and the Holy Spirit could be, you know, hey, hey, Jesus could be knocking on your heart right now. What do you do? You know you're a sinner. I ain't got to tell you that you're a sinner. If you've ever lied, you've sinned. If you ever got mad, you've sinned. It doesn't matter. It just takes one sin, right? God, our God is a holy, righteous, perfect God, and we are not. <laughs> so it just takes one sin to separate you from God, right? So all you got to do is call upon the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin. Please come into my heart. Please be my Savior. And then you are saved. That's it. That's it. He is that merciful and that loving. He did all the work. He paid the price on the cross for you and me. So it's a free gift. So God doesn't send anybody to hell. You send yourself to hell by denying the work of his, of his uh, one and only son, Jesus Christ, only begotten son. So anyway, right here, I'll just pull up my little book here. It's um, After the Rapture, What Comes Next? My name is Heather O'Daniel, and you can find it there. Uh, but yeah, so chapter one is vanished. And uh, so I give you like, you know, what happens if you're like, you know, you left behind, you wake up, boom. So I'll give you a quick, uh, quick review of what the rapture is by the strictly from the Bible. And uh, yeah, so you guys can check that out. First Corinthians 15, 50 to 52, because we're going to be taking the blink of an eye, right? First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 18 uh, gives you some more insight on that. And another thing, uh, if you read through the book of Revelation, you're going to know we are not mentioned after chapter 4. The church is not mentioned in Revelation after chapter 4 until we come back with him, I believe, on chapter 19. I did a study uh, of the tribulation taken from uh, the book of Revelation. I did that, I think, last month, maybe, or earlier this month. I think I finished that. But it's on it's on the podcast, too. So, anyway, uh, chapter 2 is the Antichrist. And I break it down, like, who is the Antichrist? And, uh, you know, kind of take it into, like, what's going on in the world. And I kind of bring it all together. And uh, chapter 3 is the first half of the tribulation. You know, the, uh, the first seal is to conquer. I break down the seals. Uh, the second is, of course, warfare, uh, famine and death and martyrdom. All this is coming in the tribulation. And uh, you guys don't want to be here for any of that, I would hope. Chapter 4 is all about the mark of the beast. And so you guys can check that out. I think I have it on sale for $3.99. $3.99. And another book that I have is called um, The Last Days Remnant Believers. And so uh, this book... Um, breaks down a lot of stuff it's talking about you know modern day um things that are going on in the world right and so uh what the christians you know need to be dealing with and so like right here says introduction have the rebirth of israel and the part one is the world uh before the rebirth of israel and then after the rebirth of israel of course culture in the end days and I talk about the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast and a Romans 1 culture. Y'all hear me say that a lot. I'm always talking about that. Well, I have that. It's chapter 4. Chapter 5 is the itching ears and the apostasy of the church. And then at chapter 6 is today's false prophets. Uh, chapter 7 is what is the emergent church? And uh, so and I have to give you some resources on that. And then chapter 8 is the greed of the prosperity gospel and chapter nine is to name or not to name well i'll give you a hint guys i name <laughs> i name them but i will kind of read here on uh chapter one of course i get the plan of salvation in the front too so i uh, talk about the rebirth of israel what people don't realize is uh well i'll give you kind of an overview here it says the most significant sign that confirms we are indeed living in the last 
of the last days was none other than the rebirth of the nation of Israel. After 2,000 years, Israel became a nation again. Nothing like that has ever happened in history. You see, all the prophetic events during Christ's second coming are centered around Israel. And if Israel is not a nation, then these prophetic events cannot take place as foretold in Scripture. But God revived and regathered them exactly like he said in Ezekiel 34, 13. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in the settlements in the land. In fact, 740 years before Jesus was even born, the prophet Isaiah prophesied, let me see here, prophesied in Isaiah 66, 8, who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a land be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth all at once? For ever since the Lord Jesus ascended to heaven to sit on the right hand of God the Father, in time events a prophecy, Israel will be a nation once more. Then, in 24 hours, just as the Bible prophesied, Israel was reborn on May 14, 1948. This is the most exciting, fulfilled Bible prophecy since the birth and resurrection of our Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Why? Because it proves the Bible once again and gives us hope while living in the end times. These last days prophecies could not be fulfilled unless there was a nation of Israel. And I said, uh, take Cyrus Schofield, for example, uh, when he added notes in his reference Bible back in 1909, he said that Russia would invade Israel in the last days. But at that time, people thought he was crazy. Russia was a Orthodox Christian nation and Israel was not even a nation. It would be another 39 years before United States President Harry S. Truman would be the first to recognize that Israel was reborn. He proudly proclaimed, I believe it has a glorious future before it, not just another sovereign nation, but as an embodiment of the great ideals of our civilization. And uh, that the prophecy that Mr. Schofield was referring to was that of Ezekiel 38. And so, anyway, I'll let you guys uh, read a little bit about that. So if you want to, uh, that's the last days remnant believers. And if you want to get it on Kindle, it is just the remnant believers. And so I even talk about uh, the mark of the beast. And so I break down chapter two, the Antichrist, and I break all of this stuff down for you guys. And uh, even talk about what the uh, uh, emergent church in the culture, like what's the culture going to be like in the end days? Well, we're living in that. Uh, it says even part three says the world that you and I live in today is vastly different than the world I grew up in. That was like 45 years ago. It says technology um, has seen a tremendous growth along with traveling. The prophet Daniel was instructed by God to seal up his book until the end of time. Folks, I believe with all my heart that we are living in the end days, the days that the Lord God told Daniel to seal up the book until. And so I even uh, tell you guys what Daniel 12, 1 through 4 says, I bring or even uh, put the scripture in there for you guys. Um, it says, you take note of the last part of this verse, many shall run to and fro. What exactly does that mean? For a long time, I misinterpreted that verse to mean travel, uh, which travel certainly has made an astounding advancement in methods. But a better translation is that from the NIV, which reads, many will go here and there to increase knowledge. To borrow from Dr. John F. Wolvard in his book, End Times Prophecy, this text holds the meaning of people rushing around to increase knowledge. I don't have to tell you that is the paradigm for our day and time. Just look around and you will see that the world is increasing in technology, knowledge, and evil. There is an extreme increase in knowledge 
Uh, but there is a severe famine in truth. That is the word of God. People are vigorously searching for the truth, but they cannot find it. This is exactly how the prophet Amos described these days uh, that we are living in. Just read what the Holy Spirit prompted him to write in Amos chapter 8. And so you can read all about that. And I throw some Proverbs in there. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's a, it's a power-packed little bit. It's a little bit bigger uh, than the rest of the books that I have. But it's not as short and sweet. It's a little over 100 pages. But, um, yeah, so, you know, go check that out. It's loaded with a bunch of, just a bunch of cultural stuff going on for the Christian and the world. And I'm going to get off of here, guys. I thank you so much for listening. And then, again, as always, get in the Word of God. Let the Word of God get into you. And Maranatha, Lord Jesus, Maranatha.